Well, Mud, he's great in. Like uh, Ben, that we talked about this because Ben, Ben on the podcast, he hadn't been on in a while. Ben loves McConaughey. I mean, it was McConaughey was a really wild time. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'll ask. This is. I mean, that's a good question to start with. Like, do you know any? Like, think of any other like actor actress that like had that type of like complete makeover at such like because like McConaughey's burned bright and it burned fast. <laughs> Is the thing like? I mean, Downey to some extent, but but I think he's still like around. Like, I mean, he's about to be yes, in yeah, But I think da- yeah. yes, I'm I'm yeah. interested what happens with that yeah. with Downey because I think Downey. The thing with Downey is I think he's such a talented actor, and this is the thing with the, this is the Marvel issue. This is right. what I'm seeing right now with Elizabeth Olsen and her kind of press for Love and Death, where it's like the Marvel machine, for good or bad locks you in for a while yeah that makes it to where you can't do you can't really just can't do anything else and i wonder if downey because he was in it for so long doesn't really he doesn't need to for one yeah to go out and go make that 50 million dollar movie is the thing like he can just go he can just show up in oppenheimer or whatever yeah. like or go to do little or whatever or go show up and which I think this was during the Marvel stuff, but show up and chef for a few minutes. Yeah. Like, but like, you're not really seeing him going out and making like, um, Zodiac, uh, or- Zodiac, which maybe Oppenheimer is that maybe yeah. that is that for him, but like, you're not really seeing him go out and like make even just like the soloist or the judge anymore. Like, I'm not saying those are phenomenal films, but you know what I mean? Like he's not going out, which again, we we're just talking about this before the show. If I don't know if it's on there or not, but like, Talking about Pitt and Clooney is that he is getting older, so he's he's being more choosy, I guess you could say. And they they've they yeah. both earned that, right? Yeah. I agree, I agree. But it's just like it kind of sucks because the Marvel stuff was so much of this like locked into it, is yeah. that he couldn't really go off and do anything else. Maybe also he didn't he was, want to. I mean he also was also Iron Man, like yeah, the yeah. centerpiece of that he it, was leading into the endgame. And he's always kind of the question mark too, I think, ever since Endgame yeah. is that like this is not a Marvel podcast, everyone, but like uh is that what do you go from to once literally your the heart of your series yeah. isn't there anymore? Um, but I don't want to talk that much about Iron Man for Danny. I think Danny's been a lot of wonderful, yeah. a fantastic thing. I mean, I, I was watched, my, rewatching Zodiac. I was like blown away, dude. Yeah, no, I mean he's great in Zodiac. I mean, I I really just watched for some reason. I rewatched the Wonder Boys last night. Did you ever see the Wonder I Boys? I haven't seen the Wonder Boys. It's 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 funny. It's a uh, Michael Douglas, and uh, so he's in Ant Man, and then you have a uh, <laughs> Tobey Maguire. He's in Spider Man. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., who's Iron Man, um, Katie Holmes, who's Rachel Dawes, and Batman Begins, which I also rewatched that recently for some reason too. Um, I mean, why not? Yeah, but Wonder Boys. Uh, uh, I don't know if Thomas is a huge fan of it. this. Is a big high school movie for me because it's about writing. Uh, Douglas plays a like a wrote a big novel a few years before. He now has a professor at a, at a, at a college, um, and he's basically has like a writer's block, and mm. he has this kind of eccentric, like brooding student, Tobey Maguire who uh like is obsessed with, like hollywood death and stuff but it's like this really talented writer and better than anyone else's class and douglas kind of on this like weekend weekend like word like writers festival at the college um kind of gets into some antics with mcguire and his publisher and a uh, Douglas's publisher played by robert Downey jr shows up and it becomes like kind of wild weekend like campus life of like professor and student and oh and about like kind of the the passion of writing and and the the purpose of like moving on from the first thing and making choices in your writing and being truthful it's a really it's a really nice charming movie 
Um, but Danny's really good in that. He's a very supporting player. Like there's certain certain actors, like the ones who are the massive stars, that like when you see them in a smaller role, you realize why they became so big. Oh, for sure. If that makes sense. Like it's just like it's it's just it's interesting to see kind of how that all happens. Um no doubt. But anyway, that's enough about that. Um my name is Brand Sparks. I'm Div Glenn the Fourth. And this is the Nation Podcast, and this month we've been talking con artist movies. And David, you were on the beginning of the month with Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but what have we kind of discussed in that episode, and I think we kind of continue to discuss, Thomas and I, uh, this series about con artist movies? I mean, one thing that's been interesting sticking out to me is that this idea of like how how you structure a con movie. Yeah. Um, and I think that will play heavily into the episode today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, obviously... I haven't heard the Ocean's 12 episode yet because we are recording this before it comes out. Yeah. But I, I think it's interesting how that is a counterpoint structurally to the, the previous films I agree. that we discussed. And, and this one as well. I agree. Yeah, there is there is kind of this sequence-like right. structure where it's... it's Or vignettes, vignette-type yeah. structure to it all. Um, it was prominent in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. It was prominent in Catch Me Can. It's prominent today in, in our movie Paper Moon. Um, I think in a lot of these movies, too, there's this light not lightheartedness but this breezy kind of just like lightness to the movies for the most part even oceans 12 to some extent mm-hmm. and so we talk about thomas and i talked about like capers um and how like not every caper is a, not every caper is a heist but every every or no, not every heist is a caper but every caper is kind of a heist and i right. think caper a caper heist is very similar to these kind of arts movies that a lot of them tend to be a little bit more light and a little bit more com- not com- a little more comedic to some extent like a little more well they're not really like bleak and depressing no yeah. no it's like it's, it's well, this i mean this movie has a great heart to it and i think catch it, me if you can does too it does and i think dirty rod's schedule as well as well yeah well i mean may ocean 12 too no um but yeah it's just there's something i mean ocean 12 is a fun movie i mean yeah, it is yeah, it is yeah. but ocean 12 is a fun movie but i say it's 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 a I told Thomas I used our, our postcard terminology like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels that Ocean's Twelve is a postcard oh, 100%. movie. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, it's, <laughs> if it's Dirty like, Rotten Scoundrels, it's like it's just like we're it having we're, we're 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 putting people we love in Europe is what it is. <laughs> um, and uh, and basically like yeah, so it's like it, it's been a um kind of a series of that, and, and also kind of seeing with Connor's stuff is like we talked about the lingo of 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 cons and Ocean's Twelve, but I think with this one. We kind of saw in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels as well, and a little bit in Catch Me Can, but kind of the idea of like the tricks you play, like mm-hmm. as a con and what you can do. I think throughout all of um, this um, kind of this episode is or this movie with Paper Moon, you're seeing a lot of the like the Bible trick and 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 how you read the room sometimes. Yeah. And it's interesting too because like they're on the road for the movie, so it's yeah. like they have to kind of tailor it to where like the next mark that they have, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not like they're in one location. They're they're moving across yeah. the uh the nation. So exactly. And then another thing with con artists too, it's like and it's the idea about it's the confidence as a con comes from the, mm. the, the, the word confidence. And there is a confidence you have to have sure. in this thing. And I think both the, the leads in this movie carry really do. And I think too, what I'm noticing too, at least with Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and this, and even, even Oceans 12, I know Thomas and I talked about Linus, Matt Damon's character Linus and that is that, and I think maybe even you could say, which we haven't talked about, but like matchstick men mm-hmm. where you kind of have this like mentor, um, student sure. relationship yeah. in some way. Or you look at color of money, right? Color of Money is a, is a prime example. And even The Hustler the, yeah. is a similar thing. It's with George C. Scott and Paul Newman. Mm-hmm. Um, there is kind of this mentorship. 
I think even we haven't rewatched in a while, but we're talking about later this month. It's the Sting. Oh, with, definitely. With, with their characters, yeah. I think there is this kind of which I I now it's funny kind of coming in this. There is that kind of um, relationship that's prominent in this one. This one's a little different. It's it's a, it's it is a mentor student relationship. But sure, also, but it's also like, a, like familial. Fa- yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's father daughter yeah. uh, relationship, and and to an extent, you could argue that with. Um, catch we can yeah. because he kind of Fra- becomes frank a- kind of learns from his dad with yeah. certain things and then he becomes just a a bigger version it's like a lot of his early tricks that he uses are like stuff that his dad would do or right. whatever about the necklace or something it's funny kind of seeing it kind of play out later on when he's a bigger person he can still use those same things um but yeah but we kind of talk about all that um the breeziness the the lightheartedness the the secret the vignette style and I think all that's going to come into play today with Paper Moon. So, so David, you picked Paper Moon. So I did. Take us away. Yeah, so Paper Moon came out in 1973. It stars the real-life father-daughter pairing of Ryan and Tatum O'Neill as a makeshift con team who swindle people on a road trip to deliver Addie, who's the daughter, to her aunt in Missouri during the Great Depression, with some detours along the way. Uh, it was written by Alvin Sargent, based on the book Addie Prey by Joe David Brown. Directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Cinematography by Laszlo Kovacs. And one thing I, I, I didn't mention in the previous section, but I do think it's interesting how visually all these films are very, very inter- like, yes. interesting. They're, they're shot better than you would expect them to be. And I think yes. this thing probably plays into that as well. But, I agree. Um, yeah. So, And then I think a big part of this movie, obviously, is, is Laszlo Kovacs, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about. And then uh, Polly Platt uh, was the produ- production designer on this movie. And we'll get into kind of their relationship leading into this movie. and then Yeah, because while she is a production designer, Polly Platt probably brings way more to absolutely it than just absolutely I'm making i'm doing the art stuff with this yeah lack of a better phrase um she she was more important in his in bogdanovich's career and we'll i know you'll discuss it yeah. more um and it's funny the kind of the, the reassessment of that these past few years has been great and we talked about it briefly um when we talked about our texas month i'm sorry i'm jumping on anything with her but it's, no, no, no. it's kind of later stuff but like our texas month um way back in 2020 when we, when, when we were first kind of revamping the show in COVID and she was a name that kept popping up and it was before all this kind of resurgent stuff. We just kind of found it um, independently of everything, everyone else doing the stuff. And she was also like an important producer and she, That's like, saying, she is it, discovered a lot of actors. It was Wes, An- she yeah. had the stuff with Wes Anderson and yeah. Bottle Rocket. But it also starts with like, we talked about her last picture show with that, but also uh terms of endearment. Because she started working with James L. Brooks, right? And Terms of Endearment takes place in Texas and in, in Houston, Texas. And then what happens from that is that she works with Brooks, and then Brooks ends up getting involved with Bottle Rocket, and she becomes the producer on Bottle Rocket. So she kind of has this really kind of overarching, like multiple decades worth of Texas movies, basically, and kind of different versions of it. Um, but yeah, we'll talk more about that. Her, I think, as we keep going. Yeah. Um, but continue. Sorry. Oh yeah, uh, I mean that was it. That's the, that's basically the, the gist of everybody involved. Uh, we can kind of get into the history. Uh, what what's your history with Paper Moon, Brandon? I've only seen this once before. Um, it, it was it was one I think I saw in college, if I had to guess. It, it was one funny enough. It did get brought back up in film school at one point, and specifically, and it's me. I, I I still think about it all the time, especially when when shooting. Whenever I do, uh, you know, it's been a little bit, but like this idea of how to craft like wide shots and how do we talked about this recently, you and I were going over some Spielberg stuff with Mm -hmm. someone and I learned this kind of term with this, with this movie was called act activating the background. 
and the idea of like putting something in the background to have movement that makes this this wide shot that could be still and kind of boring just like something in the background so when you watch this movie it's like if they're driving you'll see kind of cars going by behind them if you're seeing them standing out like there's one scene early on when they're at the train station yeah. and you have her in the background when Ryan O'Neal, when it's showing Ryan, Ryan O'Neill and she's kind of walking booth, yeah. at ticket booth but then the background of the guy at ticket booth it's like two girls playing outside the window in the background right. and so it's just weirdly for me that feels so kind of old school and nostalgic with paper moon it's the idea of just the way it puts stuff in in the background if it's like a horror of, a, of a, uh, a a carriage going by or people walking by it, it adds something to mm-hmm. the the shot to where it activates the background and i also think how bogdanovich blocks the shots as well I like agree. people move around the space a lot uh, as in our leads while they're talking one this movie yeah. is because he i know he's a big orson welles fan Oh, and that plays heavily into the- <laughs> this movie. I to me feels like the first time where I think he's really trying to emulate Wells. Yeah, because there's certain shots that feel like oh he's ripping that from like Kane with like these kind of like really wide angle close ups. Yeah. that he'll do. It I could see Orson Welles a lot over this movie mm-hmm. more so than Last Picture Show. I think this is very much like the way he shoots and moves the camera. Um, some of the stuff in the end with Ryan O'Neill kind of running down the train, like in, yeah. the, in the kind of corridor area, the, uh, the a lot of Wells stuff. It feels like is in this movie. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I saw it like six or seven years ago, so probably, yeah, college as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just fell in love with it, but I've only seen it the one time. And it's yeah. it's one of those rare movies because usually if I, I I hadn't seen something in six or seven years or, or even longer, I don't really remember much, right? Yeah. But when I was watching this, I was like, no, no, no I remember most of this. Yeah. Movie. And I think maybe that's a testament to like it's clean. You know, like this, this is this sequence, this is this sequence, mm-hmm. this is, you know, it's kind of, it's almost broken into chapters in a way. Which, it is, you know, it talking is. Talking about it being like a novel you're, adaptation. You're Madeline Kahn chapter, yeah. you're this. Yeah. Um, it's like, so, yeah, separate individual cons almost, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, um, Along the road. But yeah, yeah, and I, uh, but I had, in a sense, and yeah, I've, I've, I uh, I adored it just as much this time as I did, mm-hmm. I did the first time. But it, it left this lasting, like, impact on me. Um, And, and to the... To, uh, I still think this is probably my favorite of Bogdanovich's. I mean, I yeah. probably should revisit Last Picture Show before making that definitive yeah, yeah. statement. But yeah, I, I really love this movie. It's a very, very sweet movie. I agree. But we can get into the uh, history yeah. of Hackett. Did you mention Frank Marshall as well earlier? Oh, no, I didn't. Did. Yeah. Frank Marshall, he was also one of the producers. Yeah. He later became one of um, Spielberg's producers, just to kind of tie it back into Catch Me With Can. Even though he didn't produce Catch Me With Can. But yeah, and him and he married Kathleen Kennedy, but they did a lot of Spielberg stuff, but just to. I think he worked with with them as well with with picture show. I think he did targets even targets picture show. What's up, Doc? And this, yeah. Um, well, in that case, we can get into the yeah. history of how it got into production. Uh, so, I, so first, I want to kind of get into this uh, this history of the director's company. So, did you notice that when it? I saw the that. Title card? I, I saw I'd that. Forgotten completely yeah. that this was one of those films. So, mm-hmm. the director's company, for those that don't know, was a short-lived film production company. Very short-lived. <laughs> yeah. Th- three movies essentially, but it was formed by three legends of, of mm-hmm. the new Hollywood era. We got Francis Ford Coppola, Bogdanovich, and William Friedkin, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it had an association with Paramount Pictures. And in 1972, Frank Yablins of Paramount Pictures announced this this enterprise, uh, and that they would make three films each with a budget under $3 million. Mm-hmm. The first of which was Paper Moon. Uh, the second was The Conversation mm-hmm. by Coppola. And then The Bunker Hill Boys by Freakin', which never got made. Yeah. Um, he also said the company aimed to make 12 pictures in all and would possibly move into television. Uh, a board of directors consisting of three Paramount executives and three company directors would pass judgment on what films would be brought in. Mm. But this is, a, 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 listening to this quote from Bogdanovich, it sounds like a really fascinating you know, aspect of the new Hollywood 
era that I wish had come like been able yeah. to bloom a little bit more. But this is a quote from Bogdanovich about the company. I thought it was a great idea. The money we could make was limited to a certain amount, which I thought was perfectly good. But Freakin felt he wanted more money and more money for the budget. God, it's such it's always Freakin. Yeah. I swear to God. Our deal was we could make any picture we wanted as long as it was three million or under, which was a lot of money in those days. We mm-hmm. could also produce a movie for somebody else. Uh, if it wasn't more than 1.5 million, we didn't even have to show them a script. It was a great deal, wow. and I wish I could get one like that again. <laughs> one like it again. Yeah. That kind of freedom is worth gold. I think it was a shame. So, uh, going off that quote, each filmmaker was actually allowed to bring on a protege who could make a film for the company. Oh. Bogdanovich chose Orson Welles. Of course, that didn't you know end up happening. But he uh, at that time, Orson Welles also suggested that. Uh, Bogdanovich follow this up with Daisy Miller, which mm-hmm. we'll play yeah. into this. Uh, and Bogdanovich later said he also wanted to help King Vidor make a movie about James Murray. Um, mm. According to Freakin, the company had the opportunity to make Star Wars when Coppola brought, Coppola brought it to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yep. neither Freakin nor Bogdanovich were really excited about it. But can you imagine if that had been produced? Was, yeah, you know. I mean, great. Not, a lot of people weren't. That was the big thing. Is yeah. that whoever, I think Universal made American Graffiti. Yeah. And they were like... George, we want to make whatever movie you want to make next. Whatever you want to do, American Creed is such a big hit. Let's make whatever you want to make and next. And he goes, I want to make this movie called Star Wars. Yeah, I think we're good. <laughs> Wait, yeah, this is the thing nobody really believed no in. No one believed in it. Um, but it's one of those what ifs, you know. Uh, yeah, I think it was Alan Ladd Jr. over at Fox is one of the, the big one that like, right. really kind of, And he later did like um, Blade Runner and stuff like that. Yeah. But because of the financial failure of uh, Bogdanovich's. Bogdanovich's follow-up to this, Daisy Miller, yeah. and internal fighting over the conversation, the company was disbanded. Yeah. Uh, and, and and going off, talk really quickly, tangent yeah. on the new Hollywood stuff, so I know at this point in time, Hollywood really did not know what to do. Yeah, I mean, giving these people free reign. With movies, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was really up to those the three. They were kind of like, yeah. you know, Coppola to, to decide what they wanted to do. Coppola, Bogdanovich, and, and Freakin. But, but I remember Universal, I think, because I remember this... I haven't. I, I can't find the actual stuff of this. But I remember reading about how Universal with Tulane Blacktop that Monty Hellman did. Mm-hmm. They had this thing where like they basically were, we're gonna make five movies that are all less than a million dollars in hopes of like them all turning a profit because they're like we don't know what people want because this is when you're seeing the old kind of studio heads, right. the studio guard kind of fall. New Hollywood's rising up, and TVs happen, and so no one really knows. How do we get people in the movie theater? So it's becoming more adult, which TV was not really that adult in this in the fifties and sixties. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then so this period in the new Hollywood movement of like, like I said, studios giving people like Bogdanovich or whatever free reign, yeah. to do whatever. And then, and there's like I said, there's a lot of like things that kind of contributing factors of why it all fell. If it's the rise of Star Wars and the rise once Star Wars happens. Studios are not really movie people. It's corporations coming in and buying movie studios, realizing, oh, I can make money off this. Like right. Coca-Cola buying Param- or, uh, Columbia, I believe. Um, but yeah, and, that, and, that, and, and look where we are now is the thing. Um, but that was a period, in this period with this movie, it's like, why you can make a movie like this? We're going to make it in black yeah. and white. It's going to be a father-daughter. We're going to put, and we're going to have a, a very young girl who really hasn't acted before in a very massive role. Um, but yeah, that has to do a lot of a lot of range. <laughs> a lot of range, yeah, a lot of range. It's a big uh, ass. Yeah, yeah, continue. Sorry. Oh uh, no, no, that's uh, that's uh, yeah. I mean, I think the, the rise and fall of, of this company in three years, kind of, uh, or in this few this yeah. short time span, kind of uh, ec- or get, sent the ripple effect of what would yep. happen with, with the end of the new Hollywood era mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. But um, we can just get into specifically Paper Moon. Yeah. Um, 
So John Huston was actually originally attached, and the film was set to star Paul Newman and his daughter Nell Potts. Oh, interesting. Uh, but uh, Peter Bogdanovich had well, once he basically once Houston dropped out, then they dropped out. But uh, Peter Bogdanovich was had just completed What's Up Doc and was mm-hmm. looking for another project. Uh, according to the WTF podcast with Mark Marin, he was working on a script that would later become the novel Lonesome Dove. Oh, uh, he didn't want to. He, he he wanted to do it, but and he got Jimmy Stewart agreed to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he sent it to Wayne, and Wayne turned it down because he said it's an end of the West Western, and Wayne wasn't really ready to, I'm not, to take that I'm, step. Yeah, yet. I'm not doing it. <laughs> so know. because of that, because he couldn't get the Duke, he decided to drop yeah. out. Um, and so and the, but then he he suggest he encouraged him to, to yeah. turn it into a novel, and that later became Lonesome Dove. So. Yeah, because that was Larry McMurtry. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but they were working on that for a while, and he said, Bogdanovich said, I think he said, he sent him a 350-page script, and, uh-huh. and then Bogdanovich cut it down to about 150 pages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they turn into a miniseries yeah, later. Yeah, so yeah, later, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I haven't read that novel, but I've heard it's, it's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, okay, so, but uh, his ex-wife, Polly Platt, mm-hmm. recommended Joe David Brown's script adaptation of the novel, Addie Prey. Mm-hmm. Bogdanovich, on the same podcast, said that Paramount came to him first, and he didn't had no mention of her at this point. Um, but he turned it down. So when that when the Western fell apart, mm-hmm. he he went back or they basically came back to him like, hey, we still want you to do this. And so he was like, okay, I'll do it, but I want to do a rewrite on the script. Yeah. Uh, he according to him, he connected to it because uh, he was a fan of period dramas and he had two young daughters of his own, so he mm-hmm. kind of connected with that father daughter relationship. Yeah. And I think Platt also recommended Last Picture Show to him as well, but I oh. think he had a different story the, as well with the that novel, too. right? The novel yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. I think she recommended it to him, and I think Sal Mineo from Rebel Without a Cause recommended it to him as well but mm. I think she did and was and think she read it first and liked it and then yeah. that made him read it so yeah that's a uh, recurring theme I'm seeing and she also suggested Tatum for the role uh, he did admit to that yeah. uh, even though she had no acting experience at this point point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course Ryan O'Neill had just starred in What's Up Doc for, mm-hmm. for, for Bogdanovich uh, so Peter sent uh, Ryan the script uh, and, and he was quoted as saying it's really good I may not even do it it's such a good script <laughs> <laughs> but Ryan joked oh and he mentioned he wanted Tatum as well and mm-hmm. and uh, Ryan joked that if he, to her to Tatum mm-hmm. that if she got the role from the audition he'd take her out of school because he had just put her into boarding school Yeah, uh, and he was uh, you know he was he, I don't know if he didn't want her to join the kind of the film industry but I think he was trying to give her the childhood you know give her a childhood but yeah uh, and he even referred to himself as a weekend father, so he would kind of see her on the weekends, you know. And, he's, okay, that's, yeah. and he thought, but and he said he said they're good weekends, and she smiled. So I, I'm assuming mm-hmm. she has fond memories of that. But he thought that doing this movie with her would either seal their doom or their bond. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, you think about it, you go from seeing somebody just on the weekends to yeah. every day, every know, day while you're shooting. Yeah, and also you're in you're in a character where you're the whole thing is you guys are bickering at one another right. the entire time. Yeah, but <laughs> when we get to production, there's a. It seems that was also... A, uh, okay. Uh, yep. Interesting. Uh, but there were quite a few changes to the novel. Uh, Addie's age was reduced to reflect that of Tatum's yeah. when she was cast, because in the novel she's 12, so they bumped her down to nine. Um, some events were combined, of course, that always happens with adaptations. And the whole last third of the book, where Moses and Addie go into partnership with a fake millionaire, was removed entirely from the film. Mm. But I don't think it needs that, you know? Yeah. Uh, the locations were... The locations was was the locations were also changed from rural south areas, such as... Uh, a lot of a lot of it takes place in Alabama, apparently, mm-hmm. to the Midwest of Kansas and Missouri. I wondered because Malin, and I didn't catch the first time. Malin Khan makes a reference to Tuscaloosa. Yeah, she does. I, I noticed that in point. the car. Yeah. And so, in hearing that, uh, that makes sense of why that was kind of left over. She was like, "Oh yeah, I, uh, I met the mayor of Tuscaloosa. Or I was in Tuscaloosa once. Met the mayor. He really loved me." I was just like, "Okay, interesting." Yeah. I was like, "Why are they all out, out, talking about Alabama and Missouri and Kansas?" So that makes sense that it was if it was originally there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, like, 
it was kind of a I don't think it was a long gestating thing, but kind of his relationship with Platt, you know, ended right previously. But yeah, she's well, yeah, yeah. but she was still working on the movie. So yes. it's kind of fascinating that how that all Yeah, romantic relationship ended on last picture show. Right. And professional relationship ended with this movie. Yeah. Is the thing. And but they worked together on What's Up Doc as well, you know. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. And arguably Actually, I would say it. His three best movies. Oh, no, just, oh yeah. Yeah, his, yeah. Three, his three best Without movies. Question. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, throw, and, throw, and throw in Targets as well. It's like, yeah. Targets, I don't think it's his best, but, but but the trio of Last Picture Show, What's Up Doc, to, to this is like really a, a phenomenal three-movie run mm-hmm. that just comes like crashing down right after this, basically. Uh, financially at least i will say yeah yeah because because according to the that same podcast with, with Marin, he he was proud of daisy yeah, miller he, yeah, he yeah. says he, he he said he he didn't know if he should have actually made it but he was proud of yeah, what, he, what came he does it. daisy miller and then it's like uh long last love i believe is the next one after this or after is that, that. The, is that the musical one that's the musical yeah. one with with burt with burt reynolds again and at long last love yes 75 and the Nickelodeon is the right. kind of just a trio of of bombs, which he also bombs. said on, yeah. on the yeah. on the finest. Um, but you know, uh, what can you do? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, so that can get us to our favorite scenes. What are okay. some of your favorite scenes, man? All right. Um, Ryan O'Neill to me is a very interesting actor because I talked this recently with our friend Derek, and I said I think we talked about it on the Barry Lyndon episode or Barry Lyndon section we talked about Kubrick is that Ryan O'Neill is a 1950s actor who just so happened to be placed in the 1970s interesting because like he just has this like 1950s suburban dad look to him like you could see you could see him being a dad like leave it to beaver or something just as a thing yeah but then he's in like the driver or this or um what's up doc or Barry Lyndon all four very different roles all four very different roles <laughs> and and but they're all kind of like some driver may not as much but that's still kind of a noir yeah where it's like it's it's somewhat of a of a subversion of an earlier form movie if that makes sense mm-hmm. um so it's it's kind of like taking his his image and like turning it into something. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Like there's something about it where it's like, that's what's kind of like makes it interesting. And honestly, I think this is his best like acting performances in this movie is the thing. Um, Cause there's like, there's been debates of people just like, Oh, he's, he's what kind of hurts Barry Lyndon or he's what hurts this. But like he was a big star at this point in time. But I think here, and I think it's because of the stuff with Tatum is that I think he gives his best performance mm-hmm. that I've seen him in. Um, and really kind of from the opening, just like, I love his intro at the, at the funeral in the cemetery, like the way he comes up, yeah. you just kind of, you kind of get who he is well, very that quickly one shot, especially where he just grabs the flowers, grabs from the-, the flowers from a different <laughs> grave. It's like from the very beginning, you, you never know. Well, even the way he's carrying himself, like yeah. his walk, you never know if he's telling the truth for the rest of the right. movie is the thing it's 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 really it's again it's great it's great performance from him and again doesn't he say something to the the, to the mom in the grave he's like you're still warm i know you're still warm uh, i bet you're no i bet your ass is still warm is <laughs> yeah. what he says and throws the flowers flower. yeah. so right there he's just like he's kind of like a a, a, a dick yeah. is the thing yeah. it's like he's he's always talking like still thinking about her in a sexual way or whatever with right. this uh, i bet your ass is still warm 
Um, but yeah, that whole opening sequence right there and kind of establishing all that mm-hmm. again, establishing the tone of the film, like not just like that, but like just the, 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 the filmmaking of it with the, with these massive wide shots yeah. of the, of the area and seeing the car coming from the distance, seeing him walk in the yeah, distance. And even before he comes up, they do a good job of, yeah. of selling her isolation. I agree. Addie's isolation. There's a lot of but depth. That, that close up shot, dude. It's like, mm-hmm. it's kind of haunting, but it, you know. It, uh, face, it starts yeah. with her. It starts yeah. on her face and yeah. pulls out, and then cuts to the right. to the to the casket when they're throwing like uh, throwing dirt or flowers on it or whatever. Yeah, there. which is interesting because usually you, you would expect them to start with a wide shot as opposed to the other way around. But they yeah. do that way in quite a few scenes. They start with a close yeah. up and then they do. And they reveal and, and, why and they pull out what, yeah, what, yeah. That, what that's leading us to in the scene. I agree. Um, I also love the so kind of the first scene with. I mean, it, it, there's that scene at the train station prior, but yeah, that scene where they're at the. Um, the diner, I guess you'd my call it. My favorite scene in the yeah. movie. My <laughs> now, favorite Ichi Coney scene in the movie. Coney Island. <laughs> Drink your knee high in Coney Island. But like, it, that scene, I mean, it perfectly sets up their dynamic for the rest of the yes, movie. Yes, the whole movie. Yeah. And, and, she, and not only that, it plays. It shows that wow, she's kind of a con, you know, a budding con yeah. woman in her own right. Yeah, in her own right. Forever from the beginning. It's, yeah. it's that she, before she even kind of learns his tricks. It's kind of the opposite. Where like he's he's the talkative. Again, it's weirdly it's it's kind of the opposite. That he's kind of the Steve Martin character where he's always kind of talking and doing this and she's the mild king character kind of like just waiting to see how everything plays out right but also she's more strategic I guess. more strategic but also she has a conscience is the thing as you see yeah, later on right 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 um but yeah when he's just like eat, eat coney island eat coney island you, you need some relish on coney island coney island can't can't eat it without relish she just keeps saying coney island <laughs> over it's like he's always trying to change the subject right. with her and he's like, she's like where's my 200 dollars <laughs> i want my 200 i don't have 200 dollars eat, eat coney island eat coney island um it's like I'll tell the cop you stole my two hundred dollars. I don't have two hundred dollars. Eat Coney Island. Eat, drink a knee high. Eat Coney Island. He just keeps going. <laughs> and then, and then when the when he like yells at her and the and the and the waitress comes up, it's like, and it's like, precious, everything okay? You want some dessert? And he's like, he's like, can't. What if, what if Daddy? Well, Daddy, uh, um, if she eats her Coney Island, we can get her a dessert. And she's like, he's not my daddy. And he's like, and her name's not precious. Like he's just like. <laughs> It's just a great, and you see that how that bickering as the movie goes on. Right, there's another scene later of just how like the bickering turns into like affection. Or, affection. Yeah, yeah. It's like another one of my favorite scenes afterwards is later when like when when they went after one of the Bible ones and she said, "We're all out of Bibles. We're all out of Bibles. Why don't you tell me? We gotta stop here. We already went by there. Well, what we went? and they're just like yelling at one yeah. another and they're like, so like, and he's like, oh, fine, I'll drop you at a bus station. But and it's just station. like pointing at them <laughs> right here. We right. gotta go through Lincoln. We gotta go to these towns. These towns <laughs> be really good, good spots. Yeah, there'd be a lot there. But we gotta get some more Bibles. We'll stop here. You wanna by here? Well, well, we'll just have to keep going then. <laughs> I mean, we pretty, we actually do pretty well if we really kind of hit these towns well and just get some more Bibles. You're right. Like, right. And you're like, weren't you just about to dump me on the side of the road? <laughs> like. Just the way it's like they're going around. It's just real. It's and and he's he's perfect with. They're perfect together and the, right. the, the dynamic of it all. But yeah, I love it. Just like we're out of Bible. Why? What do you mean we're out of Bibles? Why are you telling me out of Bibles? You used to the same thing. I do. You're going back there and grab it all the time. You didn't see it. <laughs> Should I drop you off right now? I swear to God. Like it's just like and it's and there's a like, well, such you know, a father and daughter like yeah you know, um, conversation. Well, there's something about that yeah. the father daughter stuff where like. I know, like Tom stuff this was again way back in the day in twenty twenty about Lady Bird. How like Lady Bird with Laurie Metcalf's character and Sir Sharon's character. How like they're bickering, 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 and then Charles like, "Well, oh, that's a great dress. Oh yeah, it is." Like it's just like there's something about it where like because you like you're you're constantly arguing, but at the end of the day, you almost have like this like this 
somewhat of a similar goal at something if that makes Mm. sense and in turn like you go off the bickering for a bit oh and agree with the the goal that you've accomplished or whatever yeah that's a great dress oh yeah it is now why can't i go to nyu it's just it's like because we can't afford it and they're just going back and forth oh that's a great dress too um and that's what's happening here is they're bickering but it's like well we can make a lot of money this way if we did it this way okay okay, we'll just go we'll go we'll go (laughs) well i think um well i I mean i do like this going back a little bit but i love the scene when when he's doing the first Bible sale and she's just watching, right? Yes. And she kind of puts together, she puts together what, and it's all visual. And I love how, what they do with point of views in this movie, yeah. especially her point of view, mm-hmm. um, putting the camera literally in her point of view. But I love watching that scene slowly because she's putting it together as we're putting it together, yeah, what he's doing. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then of course, there's the the. I think it's like a sale or two later when she jumps in because she sees he's like, oh, he might get caught here. It's the sheriff. Yeah, yeah. he might get caught here, so I'm gonna jump in. Daddy, She's, yeah. can we can we go to the church and pray for mommy? <laughs> and then it's uh, like, how much is it? Oh, it's a uh, twelve. It's twelve. Yeah. And then the later lady, she says twenty four because she's twenty one is great because she had another like, point of view shot. She yeah. sees the chandelier. Chandelier, and then her, like, her really fancy jewelry. Yeah. And she's like, it's 24. Oh, 24. I'll get my thing. And he's like, well, uh, 24. And I'll give you an extra dollar, too, because you just showed your beautiful face. <laughs> and he and he's just. And, he, and of course, they also give the one away for free as well when she sees all the. Yes. The when she says I, like the, the lady has like it's such a sad scene where it's like, again, she's the one that has a conscious and you're talking about seeing it from her perspective. Like she's seeing like every time he Ryan O'Neill's talking, like almost every new sentence he has. A new child shows up. Yeah. And you're just like, oh my God, we're about to rob this family of eight bucks. And eight bucks in this period is a lot of money. And it doesn't even, okay, it's the Great Depression. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I mentioned that in the beginning, but it's, it's very important. And and you see it kind of in the in in the setting and in the yeah. vi- visuals. Um, and then like, at, they don't always harp on it, but yeah. you see it like just kind of in the, the dilapidated mm-hmm. areas that they're driving through and whatnot, you know. And then you get the bootlegger stuff as well. Yeah. Like it's, it's like, uh, yeah, there's something. Yeah, you get, you get, yeah, because there's towns. You're just, I'm, it's, and the thing is, because again, I haven't been around that much, but it's so wild. There's probably still towns, not to the same exact, yeah. but there's still towns in the Midwest and, and, and kind of the, the, those like in Oklahoma, Kansas areas that are very similar to this. Like just like how they still look, these older kind of, not rundown, but older towns that still have like just a main street and, it's like that's one thing like doing a train ride across the country you just see these like little bitty towns like, who lives here yeah yeah like, like just this, this is what we have this is the life here right and nothing i'm not saying anything against right, it right. it's just like it's, that, just, that it's just the wonder as someone who doesn't live there yeah it's fascinating to me right like of just like the kind of the the slow life the the kind of uh, of it of it all and kind of way time is is viewed in the in places mm-hmm. like that it's like it's sometimes you forget when you're living in a place like la where it's like it feels like you're constantly moving in always, some way. Always you have even in your sleep. You have somewhere you have to go or something you have to do, and I'm not saying you don't have anything to do there, but it's just something. Something's like, and also you can you almost feel in a weird way. It's like as a whole or deeper thing of like you can feel isolated in a town like this because it's it can be so overwhelming, and I don't know. There it can be it's a different type of feeling. I bet. I don't know, but anyway, but yeah, just saying that it's still great locations they use in this movie. Yeah, and that, it'll be interesting when we talk about it in production because again, this was shot in the seventies, but it's going for yeah. that that older nineteen thirties yeah. vibe, and that's hard. It's hard to find that period of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's the scene for you? Uh, I love the uh, speaking of him or her learning tricks from him. I love the money exchange. Um, when he's, oh, give me that five back. Yep, yep. Okay. Uh, so actually, it's funny because when I worked at Target, people still do the scam. 
Wow. They called it the, the change scammer. I forget what they called it. But they'll they'll get you to open the register, and then they'll they'll basically trick you really quick by having you hand change back and forth. Yeah. And then they walk away with like twenty bucks or whatever. Yeah. Because they because you've basically given them extra change. Because basically yeah. they're saying they they pay for something like yeah. this. Because I was like trying to like okay how's trying to make sense. He pays of for it. something small. Yeah. Pays for something small. And then he wants to break the five. Oh oh oh! Just here. Yeah. I I don't want to have a. I want to have I don't have these five ones. Can you just give me the that five back or whatever? And then it's like, oh, you know, I'd like to get ten. I'll, I'll just if you can just yeah. give me those five fives, and and I'll give you my five as well. Yeah, and we'll just, you're cool. You can get a ten. And you're like, oh, I just made five bucks. It's right. kind of the thing. Because I was like, how, I was like, I was like, wait. And I was yeah, like, you kind of have to. Like, I really had to think about that. Well, even because like, he does it so quick. Well, she does yes. it quick too. Later, but she he does. does it so quick. You're like, wait, wait. He does so quick that I was confused. Right. <laughs> she does it in a way where I think by this point you yeah. realize what the trick is. Right. But it's still like, and she has the whole like, I gave you. That's a great thing too. I gave you a twenty. He gave me a five. Like I yeah. gave you a twenty. And they and they have the the happy birthday ad. Yeah, which that's a brilliant scam. That's a brilliant he, scam. Too. He pays for with for with twenty yeah. that has the writing, and then she pays for it with. And they'll never and they'll never know the difference. <laughs> I, but I feel it's like I feel bad for that lady. I do too because she was just being honest. Yeah, too. she's like, yeah. I gave you a five. <laughs> and you give me no twenty. I have no twenties in the five. Four seventy five. <laughs> With your, your with your purple purple drink or whatever it was that she ordered, <laughs> I know. And I gave oh. you I gave you a five. There's no fives in my twenties. There's no twenties in my five. But I think that plays into this idea of confidence, right? Because you have to confidently yeah. do that. She's, she's yeah. very confident. Yeah. She, and she starts saying that that money was given me by my aunt Helen. She gave me this. <laughs> uh, she wrote on that twenty dollar bill. Wrote, Happy birthday, Addie. <laughs> and then the magic comes over, of course. Yeah, that's it's great. Like, and like, there it is. She goes, I swear I didn't. And it's like, yeah. you should know. You, you should be more careful next time. Yeah. Uh, give also, her a piece of candy. Yeah, you give her a piece of candy out of it. But uh, I think it's a few scenes before that, but I love that long tracking shot where they're talking. Oh, it's great. Well, it's it's important character element because they're talking it about is. her, like, her the looks. way she presents yeah. herself, right? Because mm-hmm. she's a young girl and she 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 keeps getting confused for a boy for a, a couple boy. times. Yeah, when uh, they're just like, yo, let's get a little boy in here for a haircut. But, I'm a girl. But going back to this idea of how Bogdanovich stages it, I'm sure this was a conversation with, with him as well. Yeah. But like one of them will lead the camera and then one of them will stop. They'll talk for a second. And then the other one will start leading the camera yeah, yeah. back and forth. Oh, they both will lead the camera. It's really brilliant. It is. It yeah. is. And again, again, because she is so young. Right. To play these whole scenes out and those wide shots like that, these tracking shots. And again, she's never acted too. Like the other, It's yeah. honestly wild yeah. of just how good she is. I mean, that would be a challenge for someone even for like Ryan. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I agree. But yeah, that, that Maybe like one or two in a movie, but yeah. like. It's pretty much every scene, or most scenes, most. Yeah, and and they go on for a, they, they, yeah. she, they hold on her for a long time with a yeah. lot with those shots, with other shots, yeah. like. And then there's that whole bit where she's doing a scheme right on on Madeline Kahn and all that's yeah. like just her. That's just her. Yeah. You're just, well, like, her and the literally um, Ryan, like honestly, it could be a TV show. Like that's the episode. Her and Imogene, doing yeah, the, the tricks, yeah. yeah. And like and like Ryan's off just like, or or um. He's just off like doing like Mose, Mose. Mose, Yeah, he's off doing nothing. It's like, oh yeah, what? Like, okay. Well, because they tell her it's her lady time. Or yeah, whatever. Imagine it's her lady. Oh, come to this. Like, <laughs> I'll, oh, I'll, he, I'll, I'll see you tonight. I'll see you tonight. I'll see you tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, ex- no explanation needed. <laughs> Uh, I also love it's a very small scene, but I love the Randy Quaid wrestling scene. The Brilliant. wrestling scene. Yeah, yeah. How you want to wrestle? Shoes, no shoes. <laughs> well, I just love because no he comes shoes. out and sees cars. No swap. No swap. He's like, he's like right. <laughs> Moses is so confused. He's like, what do you mean no swap? Like giving a way nicer car. Yeah. But he's like, it can't haul nothing. <laughs> yeah. No swap. <laughs> but he but again, it's it, this again plays off this idea of the confidence because he has to read the mark, right? And he knows, yeah. okay, I'm not gonna get through him by just talking. I gotta you know, get on his level and yeah. challenge him to a wrestling wrestling match. Yeah. 
and she doubts him. And yeah. I, I love the look he gives. Like once yeah. he beats him, he's just like. You well, I think that him. gives us almost because it's not ever explained, kind of like where he comes from. But it yeah. kind of gives us an idea of like, oh, maybe he kind of grew up in uh, uh, somewhere. Yeah, where, yeah. Because he goes right. Let's wrestle him. I don't care. Right. Like shoes, no shoes. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, he's cheating. And then he's like, whatever. He's like, hey, what's that right there? Or then he hits him or whatever. Yeah. Like, he's <laughs> sucker punching him. He's sucker punching yeah. like, He's done this before as well. <laughs> but I love because Randy Quaid just shows up. He's perfect, man. I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, and then, of course, there's this whole bit with the with the bootleggers. Well, with the, that's part of it. Um, yeah. They're trying to get away. But I love that shot. We, I think you referenced it earlier where he's running from the, when they get catch oh, up to him. Great. And he's running. Well, it's this shit. The cop and uh, all that whole sequence. Yeah. The whole chase sequence yeah. is fan- fantastic. Yeah, there's that white shot of him running and the guys chasing him in the background. And then the car pulls up in front. It's crazy, yeah. dude. Because I, I assume yeah. they're probably on a truck. Yeah. Like, if I shot that the day in a cheap way. You get like put them in a bed of a truck or something, yeah. and you're pulling, you're shooting, pulling backwards, driving yeah. to shoot it. And then, but even just that when he's like jumping over the the railing, right. and he's running down, and then he's trapped, yeah. he's trapped, he's trying to get the wall. I, that 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 reminds me a little bit like the setup with um with uh Robert Ryan. There's some scenes like that, kind of like Chase. It's just like you can't, you're trapped, and there's no way to get out of it. Basically, that's that's a great sequence here. Yeah, I, I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. Uh, and you know, it pays off everything that's come forward. It's like, yeah, he he yes, he's. He's conned his way into this, but he kind of almost got too big for his uh, yep. riches there. And, and yeah, it's that's the thing is like she she kind of and then she has as a well too because she's what kind of pushes it, and they just start like both kind of that's when they become like a, a team where he's like you follow him and I'll find yeah. out more information. Well, I think here. her thing at that point too is because after the Madeline Kahn con situation, she's they haven't done a con in a while. Yeah, she, it's been even two like months. small things. It's been two months. Yeah, even yeah. small things. She's like, well, why can't we just do the five trick or you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, she definitely. Sets that up, but it's a, it's a great that whole sequence is great. Yeah, and speaking of Madeline Kahn, yeah, <laughs> I love her. Honestly, God, anything she does, she it's did. true. It's true. It's true. She's just amazing. Yeah, like the, I, I, this. I mean, she this and What's Up Doc. I think she's better. What's Up Doc? I think she's incredible as well. Like What's Up Doc is when you watch it, you go like, Oh, Mel Brooks sauce and casting Young Frankenstein and yeah. Blazing because it's just like in Blazing Saddles, it just feels like. What's up, Doc? Is kind of the long lost like Mel Brooks movie in a way, um, and she's just her comedic timing is is always impeccable. Like other part when she's like trying to climb up to go talk to her, and she just like trips or whatever, and like she, <laughs> the character breaks. Well, that monologue she gives to Addie's great too. Yeah, um, really, really well delivered. I agree. No, because because you wouldn't expect because of how they set the character up, you wouldn't expect that to come out mm-hmm. of her. You know, I agree. It's kind of a moment, one real moment from her. And then yep. she goes right back to her, her own con in a yeah. way. Yeah. She, she's yeah. kind of, yeah. it's like, she's conning. She's basically trying to get, find a guy, a sugar daddy. Right. And con them out of money. Yeah. And then she moves on to the next person. Right. And, and with the whole Addie and, and Imogene basically seeing like, Oh, we got to kind of Imogene. It's like, it's like, I like, I will pay for you to go back yeah. home if you can help me get rid of her. Right. And cause like we have money saved up, but we got to get rid of her first. She's going to milk him dry essentially. <laughs> um, and she's like, okay, fine, let's do it. Well, I'm, I'm when do we start? She says $25. She'll drop her pants in the middle of the road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love that they, uh, they get, um, uh, the, the desk clerk yep. uh, in on it. And he's also in blazing saddles. Uh, funnily enough, but, uh, I'm telling you, man, I think Mel Brooks saw all this yeah. stuff. Probably. Um, and then, of course, I love the ending. I mean, yeah, uh, it, both like they're basically they're like ending their kind of yeah. do partnership. And then, you, you know, like, you know, they're going to you know, it's going to work out. Yeah. She runs back. Yeah, to and then I love that shot when he's looking in the because he's kind of he's almost waiting yeah. for her. He, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he's almost waiting for her. And then you see, you see her just run up the road. Yeah. 
and he, uh, and, he, and, he and the car keeps going. Yeah. No, it's 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 a great heartfelt kind of ending. Yeah. It's like we're 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 in this like they're like we're not we're not we're not leaving one another. And again, to like, show her maturity at as at such a young age as an actress as well, it's like she plays that moment really well because mm-hmm. he's like no no crying, you know. It's yeah. what we agreed to. I'm dropping yeah. you off with your aunt, and yeah. and I think even I think he would never as a character Moses Moses would never admit this, but mm-hmm. I think he's also concerned for her safety. I agree. You know, having Having been like, beaten I, up, I've just been yeah. beaten up. Is right. that what's going to happen to her? If, if yeah, yeah, if because like yeah, they didn't know about her, so right. And they, and it's like it's like because and also she's going to get older, right? To where they won't really care as much if they do something to right. her. Is the thing right. so at, at nine, it's a little different. Nine, it's a little different, yeah. but like fourteen, fifteen, yeah. the whole different story is right. the thing in that period of time. Right. We're both a little better off. We get to St. Joe, I get myself a little better car. Fair is fair. Now, drink your knee high and eat your Coney Island. I want my $200. I don't have your $200 no more, and you know it. If you don't give me my $200, I'm going to tell a policeman how you got, and he'll make you give it to me because it's mine. But I don't have it. Then get it. I don't know. What do you say, Daddy? Why don't we get Precious a little dessert if she eats her dog? Her name ain't Precious. Uh, well, in that case, we could move on to Onset Life. Okay. Uh, the film was shot in small towns, mostly in Kansas and St. Joe, Missouri, I which figured, is the... Yeah. St. Joe, Missouri is their end destination, so mm-hmm. they shot there as well. Laszlo Kovacs used a red filter on the camera... Uh, at uh, Orson Welles' advice, actually. Of course. And again, you know, like we talked about, uh, Welles and Bogdanovich are, were, were like good friends. Yeah. Uh, really good friends uh, at, at this point. But um, and I don't know, it carried I don't, over till yeah, later I, on. Yeah, well. no, I don't, I don't know if they're living together. Because later on, no, that's start, later. That's, that's later. later. They start but, living together. Yeah. Because well, actually, because Orson Welles went on, you know, like hardships. And so Bogdanovich yeah. let him live with him. So. Because that was when, like, Orson was going to make St. Jack. Mm-hmm. And then Bogdanovich made it instead. And I think that's what kind of severed their. Yeah. Relationship. And I think Orson said something in the Orson, press. Orson went yeah. on like Dick Cavett yeah. and like made jokes, thinking it was cool, like funny, and then yeah. it kind of it kind of hurt Bogdanovich yeah. very much so. But uh, back on the Wells connection, they use deep focus cinematography, like in Citizen Kane. I said, yeah, I wrote why, that down. that's why those wide shots are so, so beautiful, beautiful yeah, man. Yeah. Oh my god! Uh, and by uh, by this account that I read from the Chicago Tribune at the time, it seems Ryan O'Neill was pretty tough on on young Tatum. Uh, on the day that that writer was on set, he just wrote these quotes down. That's your mark, Tatum. Look where you're standing. Go on with the scene. It's like you have sleeping sickness. Wake up. It's like talking to a deaf girl. Um, and at one point, he, he made her cry. Uh, but O'Neill's press agent press agent even took that writer to the side and was suggested that he just arrived at a difficult time during production. Mm-hmm. But who knows the extent of like what was going on. Um, but yeah. like I said, when, I, when they did that, that uh, Q&A later on, it seemed like she had fond memories of the set as well. Yeah, so it's yeah. probably, it, it might have just been a, a tense day on production. But, you know, and yeah. again, it's a father daughter. So it's like he's probably putting added pressure on her as well, being a yep. father. 
Um, and even Bogdanovich confirmed it in this quote. He said, Tatum was off yesterday. She wasn't with us. She was in some other world. Yeah. It's extremely frustrating for Ryan for two reasons. First, he has the disciplinarian relationship with her as a father. Yeah. Second, he's an actor. Yeah. When she screws it up, he has to go through it all again. Because, again, we're talking about these long takes. Yep. And, and Ryan is better on the first few takes, according to Bogdanovich. He loses something later, and he knows that. Mm-hmm. I was rough on her, too. You have to be. Otherwise, she becomes self-indulgent. The first week or so, when she did something wrong, she would become very defensive. I've only been acting for four, three weeks. Things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, when she does something wrong, she says sorry. She's getting respect for the medium, and she's doing a remarkable job. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, too, to think about her kind of growing her craft Yeah, at such a young age. You know, and, yeah. you know, I know her from Bad News Bears as well, and she's so and good And she's that. incredible in Yeah, that. incredible, man, incredible. Um, in fact, Ryan joked um, that he taught her the, the, the pitch. For oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but back to that, that one scene you referenced with the long take in the car where they're fighting over the Bibles. Uh-huh. took two days... And 39 takes. Oh and they were on a one-mile stretch of road wow. before hitting like a, a modern per- a portion modern of the area, town. Yeah. So, again, it's like if somebody flubs a line, they got to take the car all the way back to yep. the beginning of that stretch. And, in fact, there's one point in the in the finished film where Ryan flubs the line and they ADR'd it. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it is, I'll give them that. It's tough to notice, but if you go back and look at it, you'll, you'll notice. I don't know if I've ever shot, shot a car scene that way because I had yeah. to do... It was it, it was a it was a film school project. Not my film school, a different film school that, that will go unnamed. Um... <laughs> But my my buddy was shooting it, and it's, it's and they redid it, so it's fine. But like they they were shooting a scene, and it was on the PCH. So one side you kind of have like a mountain or whatever, and one side you have an ocean. So basically, you can only shoot the thing one way. You can't shoot it coming back, and so it's like a six mile, seven mile thing, and you're on like a, a camera like truck, and you had you had like two cameras going, and literally it sometimes would take to drive that way and drive back at a decent speed a half hour right. or more for one take. Yeah. And what happened is you come back, you reset up and something would happen and the re- the reset would take an hour and a half. Right. And then like, I remember we got done. I was like, we shot seven takes today, <laughs> seven takes yeah. in a 12 hour day. I was just like, I was like, yeah, I'm not coming back here. I was like, I don't go to this school. It's not worth it. <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, I was here for the first day, but God, I was like, I was like, you gotta shoot, you gotta shoot some takes here, buddy. I was like, you got two camera, I had two cameras going, but like, I was like, what? But it's like, yeah, if someone messed up, the whole take shot, and right. because you couldn't shoot it coming back the other way, so you're just like, well, you just gotta reset the car, go drive 15 minutes that yeah. way, and not shoot anything, not even rehearse right. it. So, but yeah, I, I'd say that'd be difficult if you keep messing up. Right. It's that one. It's that one take. Yeah. So, well, like you mentioned earlier, it's like this pressure on. Not only is she a first time actress, she's very young, and they're doing all these long takes. Yeah. And the fact that she pulled it off is is yeah. mightily and, impressive. And also, you're shooting on film, so it's a little bit different now. Right. Now you can be like, oh, I can. Right. They could have flipped the line back then, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Now it's like yeah. you're just. Well, could, and even then, nowadays they could because it's just a two shot on them. They could yeah. replace one half of they the. They could. Frame. They could. They could do the they, venture they could do thing. The venture thing. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. Yeah. I mean. Crazy that they got all this stuff in camera back then. Mm-hmm. Mind, mind-boggling. Uh, and in, speaking of, Bogdanovich didn't let her look at the rushes, uh, which is... Fa- I mean, as I an that. actor myself, I wouldn't want to look at it, but she's young. Maybe she was curious. You don't want her to yeah. get self-conscious right. about what she's doing. And according to, according to Tatum in that same you know, Q&A that I was talking about when she was older, she would she talk, She said he, Bogdanovich was very respectful. He would always talk to her on his knees so that they were eye level. He was yeah, very yeah. patient with her. Yeah. Um, and so it, it sounds like she had an overall good experience. I think mm-hmm. that, that day that the, the writer was there was just kind of a rough day. But um, Bogdanovich is speaking about why he chose black and white because he chose black and white for this and 
Last Picture, picture Show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and at the time, I'm sure you guys mentioned this on that episode, but at the time, that wasn't really like as much of no. an artistic choice, you know? No, it wasn't. Yeah. At that point, because you're looking at like pretty much black and white, has been kind of phased out in yeah. the past like seven years or so. I can't remember what year they stopped doing it on, at the Oscars, but it kind of gets phased out. So it's kind of odd to see. When, you, when they did the separate categories. Separate, yeah. They had separate yeah. categories for like, it was like, they had black and white and color, basically black and white cinematography, color cinematography. Yeah. They even had black and white production design and mm. color production design, I think, at one point. And I think by, by I think, 63, give or take, I think is when they switched and just said it's just full on best cinematography, best production design. Um, and then Magdanovich in reference to that, he said, I love color, but with the right story, to me, Paper Moon has a sort of Saturday evening post feeling that I want to play against. The main reason, though, is that I thought Ryan would look less like a movie star. See? I asked him to grow the mustache so he wouldn't look so pretty. Yep. He'd look a little seedy. And, of course, he loves that. Any actor who's good-looking is bored with looking good. They, they like to look lousy. <laughs> and, in fact, I think on Last Picture Show, Orson also encouraged him to shoot black and white because he said the same thing. Yeah, he did. That actors look better. Or it feels more real. Actors yeah. look more realistic in black well, and white. Well, I think I remember Ebert, Ebert reviewed, when he when he reviewed uh, Last Picture Show, he's like, it's kind of crazy to think the best movie from 1951 was shot in 1971. Because it feels, because the way it's shot in that black and white, it feels like it's from the 1950s is the thing. Right. Um, I think about that with like, Raging Bull. Raging Bull comes out in 1980, but it feels like an old old school movie. Mm-hmm. It feels like a 70s, 60s film yeah. because it's in black and white. And I'll never forget my favorite professor in film school going on a rant about how black and white's pretentious. And me being that annoying film student, I yeah. raised my hand. I said, "What about Raging Bull?" And he said, "Okay, I'll give you that one." Yeah, I mean, black <laughs> and white. It's like I, I had this conversation because modern audiences really can't like they black and white. We just we really haven't figured out for modern audiences. That's what I'm intrigued to see what Oppenheimer does. Even though I don't think a lot is shot in black. I and think white. it's just parts of it, right? Yeah, but there's certain movies they're starting to do that more. And like as a filmmaker, as filmmaking, we love it, but just something about where your audiences really yeah. can't like love black and white i say this from experience of seeing people's responses of certain things of just like oh i had i couldn't watch it because it was in black and white and i'm just like okay and to me it's like i find there's sometimes with black and white it's just stunning yeah like i told you know but i've redone a little like a few black and white oh, things dude, the, uh, here and there the uh uh Jesus, James, James, Jesus yeah. Christ. it's like you, you, you watch that and you what you, you watch that and you're just I, when i watch the i context for people is that occasion during COVID at one point I was like turning either clips or films like turning color films into black and white to see just kind of how the shot is and so I was playing around Jesse James being one of the better ones I think Batman was another great one because I always yeah, saw cool. I always saw Burton's Batman as kind of like a 1940s movie with Batman and I was like let's make it more of a noir and well even the, li- the lighting in, in that movie kind of exactly so- and there's just something about I, there's certain films I remember there was I won't say the movie but there's one movie that came out that just the trailer looked horrible and I was like, this movie looks terrible. And and we're, Thomas and I were talking about it. I was like, let me see if I, if I if it looks better if I turn it black and white. Because the lighting was just bad. And I turned it black and white. I was like, yeah, this is a much better movie. <laughs> right out of the gate. Looks better because it's in black and white. But it was because it's in yeah. color. It's just like, it's overlit. And I think yeah. you can get away with overlighting in black and white because it adds contrast. In color, it just looks bad yeah. is the thing. Um, anyway, that's my rant about black and white versus color. The last time the Oscars did Best photography for Black and White in color was 1966. Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf won the last best cinematography for black and white. Much deserved. And then A Man for All Seasons won for best color. And then wow. and it's funny, it's man, it's really a good divide because 67 when Bonnie Bonnie and Clyde wins for best 
cinematography overall. So it's like an interesting kind of break is that 67, we were aware like mm -hmm. black and white's done. It's all color. New Hollywood's in. It's an interesting kind of change right there. Anyway. Uh, well, speaking of the Academy Awards, uh, oh, yeah. Tatum well, won the Oscar. She did. And she's I, I, still, still for the youngest competitive category, it says. So I don't know yep. what that... I mean, aren't they all competitive categories? I don't know what that meant. But uh, anyway. Uh, uh, yes. Well, technically, there's also like special achievement awards. Oh, oh I see. I see. Yes. So like Shirley Temple might have gotten a special I achievement see. award. I see. And they used to, back in the day, um, in the 30s, they had a, a best juvenile award. Oh, wow. So that was delivered to like the best child actor, but you just were given it. So like Judy Garland won one year. I think the year like Wizard of Oz came out. Um, cause she had that and babes in arms. Yeah. So that happened several times where you, they had the best juvenile award and at a certain point they just stopped mm -hmm. doing that. Cause back in the day they would do a lot more like special awards to yeah. actors and stuff. So I know we, we talked to, we, you watched like best years of our lives, that actor with the hooks for yeah, hands. Yeah. He's yeah. the only guy to ever win two Oscars in the same year because he won best supporting actor, but they also came a, a special achievement award thinking he wasn't going to win the Oscar, so he ends up winning getting two Oscars that <laughs> night for one performance. I mean, but he's great in that movie. He deserves he it. He is. He is. Uh, but yeah, uh, and you know, it's funny because she was up against Linda uh, Blair from, from The Exorcist, the Exorcist. who was also God, very young. That's a, that's, a, that's a crazy year right there. <laughs> that's a crazy year. Uh, Only bullet And, and Freakin, uh, well, I mean, Freakin made that, you know. Yeah, they're, but they're, not they're part of director's company. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Let me see. I want to I see what, what, what was... Uh, what else was nominated? Or who else was nominated? Yeah, what was well, that? Madeline Kahn was also nominated for... She was nominated for Best for supporting. supporting. Well, that's what uh, Tatum wants. So, yeah. Them and Linda... Uh, I mean, if I had to, I would, I would actually put um, Tatum in best lead. Yeah, best, yeah. I think I think she should have been. Well, because that's actually my question for when we get to our own awards. Um, yeah, because I was like, really? Because she's yeah, like, she's, I mean, yeah. she has that whole section where she does. She's yeah, the Madeline. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I think she, I think she's lead, and she's um, in way more scenes than yeah. Madeline. Oh wow, I didn't realize the Sting is the same year. Oh wow, that's gonna be interesting. We we'll talk about the Sting, um, American Graffiti, also the same year. So here, here are the here are the five for best picture. Paper Moon not in there, by the way. Yeah. Um. Because so you said it was not for best screenplay. Uh. So yeah. Uh. Let's see. Madeline Kahn was also nominated. It was yeah. nominated for the adapted screenplay and best sound. That yeah, that's a good sound. Uh. So we got a touch of class, which I've not seen. I don't know what that British rom com with George Siegel and Glenda Jackson. Glenda Jackson would win for best actress. Oh. Wow. Um. The Exorcist, Cries and Whispers by Ingmar Bergman. One Hell of the, yeah. one of the rare. Kind of international, he's gonna best picture nominee this period. Much deserved though. Uh, American Graffiti and The Sting. Mm. It's funny. We'll we'll probably list those same five movies yeah, off on the Sting, in the Sting episode. <laughs> um, the Sting being one of the bigger winners of that. Um, Jack Lemmon won for Save the Tiger um, for Best Actor against Brando and Jack. A strong year. Here's the Best Actor: Brando for Last Tango in Paris, Nicholson for The Last Detail. Pacino for Serpico. Oh wow! Redford for the Sting. What a what? And yeah, and New Hollywood was a it was a yeah. different time, man. Yeah, a lot of Exorcist, a lot. Of, man, Randy Quaid also in Last Detail. That's oh, you right. Yeah, you're yeah, right. I yeah. forgot. Yeah, yeah. He, and he's great in that. He's great in that movie too. He, so he was nominated for an Oscar for that year yeah. too. Um. Anyway, that's our tangent on the '73 Oscars. Yeah, I mean, but I mean that is an important part of the aftermath. Uh, the film yeah. was. Had a limited release on April 9th, 1973 in Hollywood, but it would uh, release wide on May 9th. It made $30 million on a $2.5 million budget, so it was wow. a big financial and critical success. And it suggested that the rest of the director company films would follow suit, but they did not. They're like, hey, yeah. hey we, I we, mean, the conversation we, did well critically. 
or it did okay critically. It's been kind of re reappraised, reappraised, but uh, financially, I don't think it did near, near as well as that. Uh, and then of course, Daisy Miller bombed. So. Yeah, and another thing yeah. too we didn't mention was was it's edited by Verna Fields. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Verna Fields uh, a few years later would do Jaws. Two years later, I believe. Um, yep. But she'd also nice, she'd nice also done Targets, um, and American Graffiti. So she had this in American Graffiti in the wow. same year. That's wild to me. Shout out Verna Fields. There you go. Great, great editor. Great editor. Look uh, up if you haven't, don't know her. All right. Well, our favorite critic, Roger Ebert, gave them four stars. Yeah. Gene Siskel also gave it three and a half. Uh, and he Come said, Gene. He said of Tatum O'Neill, yeah. uh, she's more than cute. Her role was something special in the well-established tradition of children on film. So, as you can see, okay. at the time, I think everybody even re- realized, like, oh, this is like a mind-blowing child performance. Yeah. Uh, a TV show was made in September 1974 with Jodie Foster as Addie and Christopher Conley as Moses, but it was only 13 episodes, and it, the final episode was aired in December of that year. Uh, and sadly, there's no Blu-ray release of this movie. I know. Uh, which blows my mind, uh, but there's a DVD. Um, oh, yeah, I didn't mention it's streaming on Max, and it's also... Streaming on Max, and can't can, can, can be, I believe. But I tried to look it up on Canopy because I... When I put it up. on Max, did you also question if that was the correct aspect ratio? I questioned it for a second, but uh, uh, well, I, I didn't think it was in in high def. I don't yeah. think so. Uh, but then I so I pulled it up on kit to see if it was on Canopy. So this is the weird thing about Letterboxd is like it it'll say always, things on Canopy yeah, and they're not, and they're not. say things aren't on Canopy and they are. Yeah, crazy. Anyways, uh, so what worked for you, Brent? Oh, um, I mean, I think the visual style of it really worked. Like it's 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 a gorgeous film, and like, um. The locations they have, the 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 kind of detail of the era is fantastic, but I mean the movie, the thing here is it's the it's the chemistry between Ryan and Tatum O'Neill, like that's what really makes this movie, and it, and it really hinges on them. Um, I think it's O'Neill's best, Ryan's best performance um, that I've seen him in, uh, and it's kind of the perfect blend of like sleazy charm that he can play yeah. is the thing and that's why i think it really works um yeah it's just, it's just a, again we talk about the structure of it. it's a very interesting kind of vignette structure where it you said kind of feels like a novel where you're just kind of hopping from place to place and it's the thing is that structure is something you don't really see that much nowadays yeah like it's something that i think we saw a lot of for a time and then I think in our just current modern mm-hmm. era, we see less and less of it because people uh, are more like, we got to have it this, 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 and this type well, way. One of the few that I can think of, and it's only because I've been rewatching a lot of his movies, is Wes Anderson. Yes. Uh, who I think was well, heavily yeah. influenced not only by that, but by the visuals of this movie as I, well. I agree. Yeah. Well, again, it has kind of the young yeah. child kind of character who's doing kind of adult things. It feels very much like a Wes Anderson thing. Yeah, yeah it's like French Dispatch with kind yeah. of the... That structure. that structure. Or even if you look at like Royal Tenements or whatever, it's in chapters. Yeah. You know? And, oh. and, and and Rushmore has a very kind yeah. of unique structure to it as yeah. well, if I'm not mistaken. It does, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just something about it that like it's it feels mm-hmm. unique because of that. Like, like how many times you see like a movie where you're just like and a TV show, yes, but maybe it's like you have this big scene of the Madeline Khan stuff, and the next scene it's like we haven't done that job in two months. Right. That it's would like be a like time jump. You're like, yeah. but what happened those two months? What are we doing? <laughs> but, uh, that would be like a question on a certain like on a response thing. It's like, what happened on those two months? Where? Yeah. I wonder what well, happened. Well, then they would make a prequel or a, a sequel series would, that deals would, with just it would those be two. A, it would be a midquel <laughs> where you're seeing what happened <laughs> during that time. Months. Yeah. Uh, but speaking to your point, also or building off your point, I, I think again with Vernon Fields as well. Is like the editing in this movie is fantastic. It, it is. And, it is. and even like 
because yes, there are all these scenes with like these long takes, but there's like also yeah. these really short scenes that are just like payoffs to previous things. Like when it cuts back to the train station, yeah. and he's like, "I'm gonna return this ticket, what? but she's gonna get another one soon." She <laughs> that one soon. Yeah, or like I'm sending her off soon. real soon. <laughs> yeah, and it's like that scene's like what, like ten seconds? Yeah, like, then we're out. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm, and then getting to this, this point about like how each how each individual sequence is paced, but also the movie yeah. overall is paced really well. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean it, it's just it's it's really well edited and uh, and and. Structurally designed. It's, it's yeah. great, great. I agree. Uh, did anything not work for you, though? I honestly don't have anything. Oh, me either. Okay. I was like, yeah, I honestly <laughs> I don't. I put question mark. <laughs> I don't really have anything for this. And not to say it's a perfect film. I just, I have some of this podcast. I, I, I never really try to really go with the negative of something. Is, and, and so that's sometimes why it's... Sometimes it's gonna be a really great section where I can really eat something apart. Yeah. And sometimes when it's just great and may not say perfect, but just it's something it, like the filmmaking really just hits. The, yeah. The chemistry really hits. Like, there's a possibility. I think. I think if anything, I think there might be a weird kind of like race aspect with the with the Imogene character. Sure, I but could, even you can kind of point out, but it's not. But she doesn't. She's not really seen as like I don't right. know. It's played differently because she yeah. ends up getting. She ends up like kind of. Madeline kinds of getting her comeuppance in the end, right. and she ends up getting away from her. And she helps in the in the scheme. Yeah, but I think that's the one you can kind of sure. maybe you could you could say like her kind of in, the way she talks is kind of I think sure. is exaggerated. So I think that's the one I think you could kind of absolutely do a different way. But as I said, she ends up kind of getting getting back, getting back, or kind of getting revenge in some way by like mm-hmm. getting Madeline Khan out of the uh the kind of good relationship with with ryan o'neill and with the 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 kind of sleazy hotel clerk um <laughs> so that's kind of the only thing that kind of bumped me i was like oh, this, this might not play as well like today sure um that was that was kind of it for me yeah i mean that that's uh yeah i don't i don't really have that totally valid i don't really have anything outside of that so <laughs> film facts okay uh, the cigarettes that Addie smoked, which I was, I, I was, was like, wondering. she I was smokes wondering. a lot. I was this, wondering. Um, they contain no nicotine, but oh. uh, th- so they were made of lettuce, but they did make her nauseous, of course. Lettuce. Yeah, isn't that fascinating? Wild. Uh, not the devil's lettuce, just, just normal lettuce. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bogdanovich did not like the title Addie Prey, but he wasn't sure whether Paper Moon would work either. So he asked his old buddy Orson Welles, who famously said that title is so good you shouldn't even make the picture, just release the title. Uh, mm. and in fact, he would in- later add that scene. Um, well, he did add that scene where she takes the picture at the paper moon so that yeah. he could justify the title. But yeah, he heard that song. Uh, yeah. It's a classic song. He was looking up classic songs of the era and he heard that song and it gave him that idea of paper moon. And then he was like, well, I need to get some advice on this. So that's my buddy Orson, who was in Rome apparently at the time making a movie or something. And Orson he was, was? Yeah. Set- he, he was like, I, what, do you, what do you want, Bogdanovich? <laughs> what are you making it in that, at that I period? have no idea. Let me see. I want, I want to find out just, just for my own sake. F for fake. Oh. Shooting F for fake. Ah. Yeah, it checks out. That's 73 as well. And that was over in in Europe, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Um, I didn't rewatch Effort Fake. Yeah, I, with Wells, I I, I really I, he just with Effort Fake specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot to take in on a, on a first watch. It is. Well, I it felt is. the same way about Other Side of the Wind as well. It was a lot to. Take I agree. In. I agree. He he's a he's a director. It's interesting because I've seen Citizen Kane countless times, but I haven't really explored. I've seen my neighbors and Ambersons. I've seen Lady from Shanghai. I've seen Touch of Evil. I've seen Effort Fake. I've seen Other Side of the Wind, but I've never really rewatched a lot of those films. Yeah. Thing. So I want to revisit them. 
I've seen Journey into Fear, I believe, which is the one he did. He only directed his scenes, I think. But I've never seen his Shakespeare stuff, and I, I've always wanted to kind of really dive into those because um, I find him just to be a fascinating character in general. For sure, for sure. Um, uh, well, in that case, we can move on to awards. All right. Uh, Beatrice Strait Award, actor, actress with limited scenes that kills it. I would put Madeline Kahn in a um, in supporting. I think we probably would. I, yeah, I think she's. In I think she's. She has a sequence. Um. Okay. I I would say it's one of two people. John Hillerman, who who has we haven't talked about this, the 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 twin character of the deputy and the bootlegger, right? Um, and then maybe Randy Quaid. I was gonna nominate Randy Quaid. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's also valid. Uh, I'm, a, I'm John Hillerman's fun, yeah, because he play he plays the uh, and he really is only in like just a couple a couple know, scenes because yeah. he plays he plays the bootlegger and then he plays the the sheriff, the sheriff. yeah, and he and he, he's in Last Picture Show, I think, is the coach. He's a teacher. Uh. Uh, in the last picture show, I think he's also in What's Up, Doc. Um, I kind of, I kind of like him just because he kind of plays just two like. I mean, you know, I if, if I, I didn't look it up, I was like, I didn't realize he plays like twins. Like and they don't even explain it. So he plays a twin. Yeah. Like, well, they do say his brother, but brother, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's a twin. So like he right. just plays plays a different character. Right. One with glasses and dressed like a bootlegger, and one without it. And he's kind of good as kind of the mm-hmm. in the scene when they're trying to like get the money, uh, from them. And try to figure out what's going on, and I, and again, he's part of the big chase, which I love. So yeah, yeah, I I, w- I would nominate Hillerman, even though I do like Randy Quaid. Mighty clean hands for livestock. Them hands don't look like they do nothing much except play a little casino every now and then. I told you that whiskey's for a friend. I didn't see no harm in buying don't a couple see of no bottles. Harm. You're that bull. Big bootlegger claims you don't know the law. Well, Mr. Bootlegger, I don't need no couple of bottles to make a case against you. The law says all I need is just one little old. And law says you use a vehicle to transport alcoholic beverages, and said vehicle is confiscated to be sold at public auction. So you can just kiss that pretty little old car of yours goodbye. Hey, hold on. That seems pretty rough Don't just because. Hands. I didn't tell you to lower your hands. I tell you to lower your hands, and you lower your hands. You don't do nothing until I tell you to. Understand? Answer me. You understand? Yes, sir. All right, Andy Potts, X Factor Word, supporting actor, actress that is the most memorable. That's Madeline Kahn. No, without question. Without question. Madeline Kahn, um, again, is incredible in anything she does. Um, and, like, I, I, there's one movie I don't love. She was in called, like, Mixed Nuts with uh, Steve Martin. It was a, it was, um, a Nor Ephron movie. And that was when I realized you could give her honest to God any line and she could make it funny. Oh, wow. Like there was one part where she's just trapped. Like the whole, the the best part of that movie is she gets trapped in the elevator at one point and then she just starts like singing and speaking nonsense. I was like, I would watch uh, two hours of this because I think she's hysterical. And I, but I also think she can really kind of get the dramatic side of it all. I think, yeah, I think she's, I've, she's been, I've, every film I've seen her in, I've loved her and she's probably one of my favorite parts of all those films. High anxiety, um, Blazing Saddles, What's Up Doc, like, just incredible. You're going to ruin it, ain't you? Look, I don't want to wipe you out. And I don't want you wiping me out, you know? So I'm going to level with you, okay? Now, you see, with me, it's just a matter of time. I don't know why, but somehow, I just don't manage to hold on real long. 
So if you wait it out a little, it'll be over, you know? I mean, even if I want a fella, somehow Arthur, I managed to get it screwed up. Maybe I'll get a new pair of shoes, a nice dress, a few laughs. Times are hard. And if you fool around on the hill up here, then you don't get nothing. I don't get nothing. He don't get nothing. So how about it, honey? Just for a little while. Let old Trixie sit up front with her big tits. <laughs> Gene Hackman, MVP, or the person who carries the movie, director, actor, etc. Can we do the dual thing? I think again? we have to do the All dual right, thing. Cool yeah, yeah. I think, I think the dual. I think the dual. Like, while Bogdanovich is great, I think. Bog, we talk, I think we gave him. I think we might have given him the MVP for What's Up Doc and possibly Last Picture Show. But here, I think, while the tone is important, I think those two movies really hinged on the the the, the delivery of the tone, if that makes sense. Like, the screwball comedy aspect, really hard to pull off. He pulls it off. The Last Picture Show kind of vibe of the loneliness, isolation of the town. And also that being such an early film for him. Early film. Yeah. It was his second film. Yeah. And this is when I think he's kind of, he's hit a point where he's, he's good. The key point is, can... Who he cast in this role of the father-daughter, specifically the daughter, if she doesn't work, the movie would be almost insufferable. Mm-hmm. Like it, it would be almost unbearable to watch. If the if the kid actress in this was bad, it would be very hard to watch this movie. Because yeah, she's thing. in most scenes, you know? It's crazy. Most scenes. Yeah. She might be in as many scenes, if not more than him, is yeah. the thing. Without because yeah. the whole sequence with the and because she's, I mean, she's there from the very beginning. Mm. There's not really a scene where she's, he's by himself as much as her. Because it's all from her perspective right. for the most part, except the ending when he's running away from them. It's mostly yeah. all her. So uh, that's why I would put them in, uh, yeah. in lead. So yeah, I would give it to both of them because their chemistry is just fantastic. Where are we now? We just left Plainville. $12 for a Bible. Then it's up to 24 If I stay with you, I'll spend the rest of my life in jail. There's a deep one, Lincoln. You can take me to Lincoln. You bet I will. Where's Lincoln? Clear over there. Oh, boy. You think I'm going to take you clear over there just to get you to some depot? Then keep going. East. We'll hit one in Sylvan Grove. Where's Sylvan Grove? Right here. Well, that, that'll take us down through Lucas. You gotta go through something to get to Sylvan Grove. I am not complaining. I'm just saying that'll take you through Lucas. You gotta go through Paradise and Waldo and those are pretty good towns in there. We could do some business in there. Well, it won't matter much when you're out of Bibles anyway. What do you mean we're out of Bibles? Why didn't you tell me we're out of Bibles? You're not getting the box too, don't you? Well, you know, you've got an excuse for everything. Because you blame me for everything. If we were running out of Bibles, you should have told me we were running out of Bibles. Well, we're running out of Bibles. Well, then we got to get new ones. And let's get new ones. We can fix them up in Great Bend. Great Bend's the other way. Well, we got to have Bibles, don't we? Let's see, now we can veer down to Lucas, and we'll veer over to Wilson, veer off to Lorraine and Bushton. And we could be after Hoisington. Just have to keep on veering, that's all. All right, well, that brings us to the final questions. Recast it. All right, uh, so we decided modern day, maybe, you know, a couple years prior yeah. as well. But somewhere somewhere in this. Somewhere in this, in this thing. Um, so my number one choice, I'll go with her first. Okay. Um, and I might try to figure out Madeline Kahn in this moment in time. Oh, okay. I didn't but but, but I, at least right now I know for a fact who I would pick for... Um, for Tam O'Neill's character is probably Madeline McGraw, who's the sister in the black phone. Oh, I, dude, you, I, I think she's in, yeah. she's the yeah. best part of that movie. But also to me. She has that attitude. Of yes. Like, yeah. I think she'd be great for this role. Yeah. The other one was, it was, was, um, 
that I think would also be good because I think we've kind of seen surprisingly a, a little bit similar, similar role with this. And that is uh, Vivian Blair, who plays the young Leia in Obi-Wan show. Okay. I think yeah. she's good. But she also has that attitude. She also has that attitude. I think those are the two. But I think Madeline McGraw, I just, I thought was great. Yeah. I think, I think if, if, if she, w- I, another one uh, is Julia Butters. That's who I had. I would but, put but Julia that's Butters why I said well. a couple years ago. Because she's yeah, like 14 She's now? a little bit older. 14, 15 now? She, she's 14. So yeah. I would, no, you know what? I, yeah. I think it's between, because McGraw is the same age. Yeah. I think your top two is, is Butters and yeah. McGraw. I, I thought Butters was a little bit older now. Yeah. Because again, she also has that attitude in I would, time. And if I would, that's the case, yeah. I would go Butters. Because right. I think Butters is just, she, I remember I walked out the second time seeing the Yeah. talking to Logan. And I was just like, I said, yeah, it's the girl from Once Upon a Time, right? He was like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I was like, it was. He's like, nah. I was just like, yeah, she's got glasses on. He was like, you're joking right now. He was like, like completely. She Butters, I'm telling you right now, mark my word. She's 14. She she will be one of the biggest actresses in 10 years. I honestly think in the next 10 to 15 years, her, from what I've seen of her, she could have a very interesting career if she, if she gets cast in the right roles from mm-hmm. here on. I think she's incredible in everything I've seen her in. I mean, she's even good in the gray man from what I saw of her in the gray man. I haven't seen the gray man. She's but. in the gray man. Like, and, and, and like I, she, I think is, I think she's great. I hey, just want to look out for. Let's do it. All right. But now we got to cast. It's funny. I forgot she was in the gray man because honestly, I thought Gosling might be her dad in this movie. <laughs> I thought Ryan Gosling would be kind of great for, because I think his comedic ability is underrated but I now have to kind of change it because I don't want to just reunite the Gray Man cast. I mean, I love Gosling in that role. Now that you say he that. would be fantastic. Yeah, I I love. Let me Gosling. just. I just want to. I just want to see. I just want to see. I I think he's kind of it. Um. Well, no, no, we can throw out some. You know. Um. Also, he's a busy man, so it's like could could he we get is him. a busy man. I mean, he might be. I'm sure he'd be interested in the role. But. Yeah. Um. I think if honestly. I think if it was like six years ago, I think Pratt would have been a very interesting oh. role for the part for this role as well. Interesting. Um, if he wasn't as big as he's become mm-hmm. now, I I kind of think I because I don't want to just pick Glenn Powell again either. Um, I could, but he would he'd be he, he would, would also be really good. Of, he would kill it. He honestly got the park, if you if you honestly did like Paper Moon. Julia Butters and Glenn Powell, yeah. directed by Richard Linklater. Let's do it. It would be incredible. Okay, look, you know what? Screw it. We're going to go Glenn <laughs> Powell. Who's going to be the Madeline Kahn? Who's going to be Madeline Kahn? Great question. <laughs> Great question. Let me see. I'm going to pick this out on the fly. I'll say her. I'll say one's one's bigger, one's not as big. The not as big one, I would say Brittany Snow. Oh, okay. We just rewatched. Uh, we watched it. We watched X. X. Yeah. I think yeah. she'd be really good. She would be really good. She'd be really good. A bigger, a, the bigger name is Anne Hathaway. I mean, I would love to see that. I think either one of them be, yeah. would be really good in this mo- in this movie. Yeah. Um. I I think. Just just for the sake of it, I would like to see Britney Snow yeah, in it. I agree. I think Britney Snow would yeah. be really and really good in this. Somewhat similar role to X, I guess. In the in the how kind she of, uses. Yeah, the, I think so. Yeah. But I think she can be a little bit more conniving sure in this role yeah, and, and uh you show more of her comedic side as well i agree yeah i agree well i love that cast directed by Richard Lee yeah Lee and i love that direct pick yeah. as well um well cool 
All right. Well, does this and that was honest to God. Off the besides, I think was off off the dome. Yeah. Besides the, the I thought about Julia Butters, but I didn't say her initially. But yeah. Glenn Powell came to me right there, and then Matt Brittany Snow. Well, came there, to you me. So there we go. Uh, I should do casting, is what it sounds yeah, like. Yes, that's exactly what that sounds yeah. like. All right. Does this film fit into any other genres? I mean, it's a road trip movie. Yeah, I mean, that's one. exactly what it's, I, it's a road trip movie. Um, and it's a, and it's honestly like a classic of the genre in a way. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, this this is a more interesting one because like some road trips you have like the we have to get to this point and to some extent it's kind of that way too. Yeah, it's but they, like, they take the detours. Right? Yeah, it's like we have to take her home, and the whole thing yeah. is that we're we're working our way to take her home is the thing, yeah. and it's the home's not here, it's with you type thing is what's right. happening. Um, I would this is and this might be. I don't know if I would consider it a genre, but maybe because it's it's a period, not just a period piece, but a specifically a Great Depression period right. piece. I think that is a genre. I mean, Grapes yeah. of Wrath, and you know, I can't yeah. wait for like may, maybe if everything goes well in fifty years from now, we'll be getting Great Depression period pieces of the twenty twenties, um, <laughs> oh, the COVID era, uh, the COVID era. Um, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I think it, it is a kind of a Great Depression era sure. movie. Yeah. I, w- I would throw that in there because it, it deals with that in a way. Like, like I think To Kill a Mockingbird is an example too that does that as and, well. And how much of him doing these cons is, is based in the fact that he kind of has to. to he has high. to. Exactly. Right. Is that, That's what happens when when economic when there's an economic downturn you're going to see a rise in crime to some extent. Right. And this is just a kind of to him an easy way to kind of make a quick money. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, how, how do you think this film fits into the munch genre? The con man? Well, we sure. talked about kind of the, the, there's a vignette style. I think it's kind of a fresh and kind of breezy, just a, a lighthearted movie. I think it's probably one of the, it's the most emotional one of the ones we've done so far in terms of, because of the, because of the family aspect of it, the, the daughter father relationship. Um, and I think it, it just, it has a very, um, we talk about the tricks and stuff. You kind of have to do the little mini things. It's like, it's interesting because when we're talking about all this stuff, it's like it, it's interesting to where like, while it is high stakes, something that kind of feels because it's so lighthearted, it feels like there's low stakes. If that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah, no, I tell you, I feel like all the movies we've watched so far because catch me. Can is also an emotional film, but like, because, because like nothing's dealing with like death of someone really. It's just dealing with like, yeah, we're stealing from these people. And most of the time it's like to them, it's like, it's not enough to break them. That's the kind of the thing of like not take, giving the Bible for free. And then it's like, and the ones that have the most money, that's who you steal from the most. Cause they will care the least. Yeah. Um, and even when he's stealing the, the, uh, the booze, he's like, Oh, I left a bunch in there. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I only took enough that he probably won't notice. Probably <laughs> notice. Yeah. But yeah, I think there's just something about, and I think this one, maybe the first one, like where you had that, where like, kind of, this is the first one I've seen. You got the jail stuff and catch we can, but like, where the stakes could get high at the end, where like yeah. they could kill him, kill him if yeah. they wanted to, and that would be maybe more of a new Hollywood ending. New Hollywood right? ending, they yeah. kill it, and it's like she she's crying, she's yeah. crying on the side of the yeah. street, and then it's just like the end. <laughs> it plays Paper Moon. Paper Moon. It's only a paper, it's moon. Only a paper <laughs> moon. And it's like a freeze frame of like <laughs> directed by of Peter. like Ryan O'Neill like laid out in the street and her like crouched down like crying to the sky. It's only a paper moon. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be. Made the balls this ending of Bogdanovich's career if he yeah. actually did that. Anyway, oh, man. Um, yeah, yeah, Billy off that. I mean, I think yeah. also O'Neill's Ryan, o- Ryan O'Neill's character and her too. Uh, yeah. they, they they pull off that like suave, fast talking. I agree. Con man, uh, and yeah. it's interesting to see that the, the apple doesn't fall far from the yeah. tree, right? But because she already kind of has that natural ability, but yeah. he kind of helps her mold it. So I love that. I love that dynamic. And I think too, I forgot. I, I forgot to mention this earlier on, but the idea of this that we tell this whole month's perspective is the yeah. idea with. Yeah. 
with if you're if you're from the perspective of the, of the con the one being con it's kind because you're you're from the perspective of the person being conned uh but this one's a little bit different you're from the perspective of the con man but perspective is still key because you're seeing a lot from her eyes right and and, and she's on the time and, and she's the one that notices that he's being conned by Madeline yeah. Kahn. and yeah exactly yeah. and also she kind of sees that he she's being conned kind of early on she's the one who sees the con um with the bibles and and right. that's it's not because he tells her; it's because she finds out on her own. So you're yeah. see, you're seeing her observing the cons. So then I guess that's kind of the the, the trick into it. Um, so yeah, it's the idea of perspective. But now, but I think this time we really kind of see how you can shoot for that, how you right. can film for that, where yeah. it's from her POV a lot of the time. You're not really seeing that in in um, Ocean's Twelve. You're not really seeing that. And it's actually you're seeing point of view shots, Literally, yeah. from her. Yeah. So yeah, that's a key thing too. For sure. For sure. All right. Um, all right. All I got on. That's all you got on Pair of Money. Are you happy? I know you were like really. We were. We had well, no, I mean, this was the one on the list that jumped out at me. Not yeah. that I don't love a lot of the movies on the list. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love this thing too, but. Uh, this is one you were like, yeah, I love yeah. to do it. And we didn't know if, if it would work out because I know Thomas yeah. really loves this movie as well. Yeah. And he was just like, I'll let David do it. It's, 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 it's good. <laughs> He, he was just—he was just like, I don't have to be on paper. No, it's fine. He, he was more excited for Ocean's Twelve. He was—he was really excited, excited for Ocean's Twelve. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you know what, Ocean's Twelve, let's do it. And I'm like, all right, and we're doing <laughs> the sting. Um, so, but yeah, so our Patreon too, we are doing a fish called Wanda at some point this month, and David, we're, David and I are doing one well, uh, one as well. David has to think you have to pick the one you're looking at. We'll we'll discuss and figure it out. But you'll get you'll still get two episodes. We'll, we're still we're getting to the Patreon stuff. We're still trying to. Adding two episodes a month is, is a big deal. And that's why you should support our Patreon uh, to really kind of help us out with this because we, I loved, we love doing it. Um, we love talking about more movies because with these genres, there's so many more movies to cover and we want to cover as many as possible. So well, it's these, also sort of a different format as well. It's it more is. It's so, like sometimes we get a little, like, like the little shot before this episode was a really more in depth one. Um, it depends on how much time I have, but a lot of times we're still doing, we're still doing research and it's just a little bit more looser a lot of the time. Um, and sometimes it's the uncut stuff. Uncut, yeah. And sometimes we're talking more about like, we talked about Richard Gere movies. We talked about concert films. Sometimes it's like an array of different films and not just one thing. We talked about like Vincent Minnelli double feature. And also the three Fright Nights. We three Fright those. Nights. Really? And, and yeah. And we even got a little mention of the, of the international remake of it as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so do that. The, there's three levels. The, the $1 tier, the $5 tier, the $10 tier, the extra episodes, emails, our newsletter and and hopefully more stuff if, if we keep, continue to grow it we'll try to bring more stuff into the fold for everyone so if you can't do that please do two episodes a month is kind of the top one but if you just pay five dollars you get at least one episode a month so try doing that uh that helps us kind of continue the show in this way and hopefully can do more for our listeners so thank you for that and that's what we have for this episode if you have any questions for us feel free to contact us at Sination podcast at gmail.com send us your questions comments or even kind words like just tell us if you love Paper Moon as well, uh, and if you're a new listener to the show, if for some reason you're a fan of the show and you haven't subscribed to us, be sure to do that as soon as possible so you can stay updated on all of our new episodes. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever your podcast, because there's a lot of platforms out there, and I don't all, I don't know them all, honestly. I get a lot of updates of, like, we're on this one, we're on that one. So if wherever you do it, give us a review on there if you can, too. Um, but if you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a review there. That's kind of the big one that people... Uh, download the most from and that's where i think most eyes are at honestly but if you're on spotify give us a rating if you're on stitcher give us a rating and a review do whatever you can uh the reviews kind of help us gain traction and gain more exposure so just by saying five stars love the show that right there will help us tremendously so tell your friends tell your family 
tell a person you just conned out of five dollars at the supermarket i don't know um but yeah and finally don't forget to like and follow like and follow us on facebook twitter instagram tiktok letterbox all those wonderful places david as always thank you for joining me thanks for having me dude and thank you all for listening we hope you listen to more episodes soon bye